When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Burden of Command podcast. On this episode, I have I have a really special guest. It's somebody I've listened to a lot through all of his various projects. I like what he has to say. I like the way he has to say it. Uh, he's written several books. Uh, What's Wrong with Damn Near Everything and Grow a Pair are a couple of, of my favorites. Uh, he's done some podcasts of his own, uh, Grow a Pair, which uh, doesn't have any new episodes for a while, but is still available on, on iTunes. And then uh, the Real Man podcast, which is uh, still uh, in production. You've probably seen him on national media. He does a lot of national media interviews, uh, primarily, it seems, lately, uh, Fox and Friends. He is a pit bull of personal development, Mr. Larry Winget. Larry, thanks for joining us today. Oh, you bet. Happy to be here. By the way, the Grow a Pair uh, podcast, I killed that one off. I'm just focusing now on the Real Man podcast. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that, and uh, you know, like I said, uh, you know, the girl pair—it's still on iTunes. I don't know if you were aware of that, but you know, people yeah, can go back and find it. So, some good content there. So, um, so to get started, I'm going to ask you the question I ask everybody to start with: the phrase "burden of command." What does that mean to you, Larry? You know, my initial response to that is a chuckle. I bet you don't get that very often. Uh, not uh, not too often. Uh, it's a chuckle because I believe that we live in a society right now that doesn't think that command, which in most people's uh, minds, I believe these days, relates to power and having power over others. They don't see that as a burden. Uh, they look at it two ways, that it's either uh, a real cool thing that they get to be powerful over others or they immediately go to a victim standpoint that other people have power over me. But I don't think they see it so much anymore as a burden. Now, anybody who's ever run their own company or been a leader of any type realize that anytime you're in charge, there is a huge burden of responsibility that comes with that. And you know, the pit bull of personal development is is the trademarked uh, moniker that I've had for a long time, but it's around the one central theme of personal responsibility, the thing we're most lacking in society these days. But uh, I I think that most people um, uh, wouldn't see command as having or being much of a burden. 
You know, and sadly, you're, you're right. You know, I've gotten quite a few uh, quite a few responses on that, and some of it's like you know, like you said, well, I don't really see it as a burden. But then they always come back to the R word, responsibility, and it's kind of the same thing, right? Burden is a responsibility that you take on that you carry. Well, burden has such a negative connotation to it right now. You could also talk about the privilege of command that. The saddest thing right now, and it's part of what I talked about in the book, What's Wrong With Damn Near Anything, is this victimhood mentality that I think comes out of the entitlement mentality, which I think is really dangerous in society right now, where we are confused by this whole someone else being in charge of anything. Uh, You know, I got into it with a bunch of folks just this last week who had posted the most ridiculously stupid picture on LinkedIn, which I think is the dumbest social media platform out there. I've never had more abuse than I have on LinkedIn or seen a site more uh, abused than LinkedIn. Seems to me like the only reason people want to connect on LinkedIn is to instantly spam your uh, inbox with something they want to sell you without having qualified you at all. Right. But, but that's an aside. But this ridiculously stupid picture that they posted was of a guy, a stick figure, holding somebody by their feet and sort of swinging them. And he had the label of boss. And the other one was of a stick figure named leader with patting this guy on the back. <laughs> and it said, bosses take advantage while leaders inspire. And I thought, what a damn disservice to good bosses. You know, bosses are necessary in our society. Not everybody wants to be led. Some people need a manager to say, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you do it. I'm here to make sure it gets done so the customer is served well, so we all get paid. Mm. Now, bosses, are necessary to any project. They're necessary in in business for sure, but they're also necessary for some people who aren't looking to be inspired and creative. And this meme went on to talk about how leadership is creative and bosses don't require any creativity. You know, if you're sacking groceries at a grocery store, I'm not looking for creativity. I want the cans on the bottom and the bread on the top. And uh, that that's proven to be a pretty good recipe right there. Don't get creative with that, okay? Right. <laughs> Just yeah. do it and be nice while you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. And that's, uh, man, so much there. So the first, you know, I like what you said about, uh, you know, the responsibility piece. And it, it reminds me, it's a it's a quote I, I say a lot about. Uh, uh, it's from Epictetus. And he says, men are disturbed not by things, but the view of which they take of them. And... Uh, that was one of the core principles. I'm not sure if you've if you've studied the uh, the POWs from the Hanoi Hilton very much, uh, but one of the phenomenal things about those gentlemen is so the general PTSD rate from the Vietnam War was about 40 percent, and everybody expected that the POWs were going to have a much higher rate, but they're down in the like low three to four percent. And everyone you talk to, I had Colonel Lee Ellis uh, on a few episodes ago, but every one of those that you talk to, they bring it back to the personal responsibility. Like we had to take personal responsibility for our actions 
and the actions of the folks around us to get each other through without breaking down. If we'd let ourselves blame our predicament on anything and everything else, it would have ruined us mentally and we probably would have had near 100% PTSD rate. So I uh, really like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and so it's funny because uh, I know you talk a lot about customer service and how that's very important. And you were talking about the, the groceries. Um, you know, I had an incident. I live in Indiana. And uh, every time we have a snowstorm, that's more than a few inches, we have the, uh, the run on milk, bread, and eggs. And uh, I was in the store. And there was a young man, I just got done listening to one of your podcast uh, episodes, you were talking about, uh, I think it was your garage door being installed, and the person <laughs> was, was uh, showed up later, didn't show up at all. Yeah. And it was ringing in my ears, and this guy, they called for all help up front, they needed baggers. And this kid, he just like huffs and was acting annoyed. And I looked at him and I said, I, I, I looked at him straight in the face, I said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to shop here and give you a job. And he looked at me. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you're obviously annoyed by the fact that shoppers are here. We're the reason you have a job. Would you like me to shop someone else? And my wife's like, you've been listening to that Larry Winget guy way too much. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. Been listening to that Larry Winget guy. I get that a lot, that Larry Winget guy. (laughs) But so... You know, in, in all of your work, I mean, and like I said, you, you, you've had some TV shows, you've read a bunch of books, you know, you, that, that personal responsibility is, is a big theme throughout your career, it seems. What got you there? Oh, you know, that's the main theme pretty much of uh, all that I do. I, I have this overriding belief, and it's the thing that's driven six New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestsellers and my own TV show and 30 years of standing on stages, speaking for over 400 of the Fortune 500 uh, companies, uh, speaking all over the world, being translated into over 20 languages, sold a couple of million bucks. And all of that comes down to the very simple idea, your life's your own damn fault. And boy, I get a lot of pushback on that. And and people want to convince me, no, no, it's not. Something happened to me. And I never argue with anybody about that. I just say, okay, so something horrible happened to you that you had nothing to do with. I'm not going to argue. That's what happened. What you do about it is still your own fault. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's always going to come down to. I believe that your thoughts, your words, and your actions cause whatever it is you're going through. I, I can't think of uh, an occurrence where maybe that isn't the case, but a lot of people have them. And so if something bad happens to you, first of all, your job is to say, did I do something to cause that? You know, it's like the oldest joke in the world. Guy goes in the doctor and says, hey, doctor, it hurts when I do that. The doctor says, then don't do that. <laughs> so if you're doing something that hurts you, stop doing it. Then the second thing is, You know, once you've looked at yourself and taken responsibility for your own thoughts, words, and actions, you say, okay, I really didn't cause this, but what am I going to do about it? That is always up to you. You know, it's just like your POW story. They had to make the decision. That was a personal decision that they would act in a certain way, react in a certain way, respond in a certain way, to their situation predicament and their treatment. 
That was a personal choice of theirs, how they responded. And that's what we have to remember. First of all, you say, what did I do that could possibly have caused it? Take responsibility for it. Now, what do I do in my response or reaction to this? Take responsibility for that and then do something. It's None of this stuff's all that hard. No, it's really not. And that's, uh, you know, that's another theme of, of uh, when I'm doing talks or whatever. So going back uh, to something you said earlier on, you know, in the Marines, uh, we had a saying uh, that teams succeed, leaders fail. And we, we put this thing together, you know, kind of how you said it with the leadership and, and management piece, right? And the way we were taught is, you know, essentially, you need you as you said, you need both. You need leaders and managers. The, the yeah. question shouldn't be, what's the difference? The question should be, how do you work both a- angles together at the right time for the right purpose? And the idea behind team succeed, leaders fail was just that. If you've done everything you can as a leader, your team is going to succeed. If you have failed in any one of those aspects, either you failed to put the right person on the right task. You failed to lay out the proper guidelines. You failed to manage things when you need to manage. You failed to lead when you need to lead. Well, shit's going to hit the fan, and yes, everything's going to fail, but it's your fault. The team will succeed. You'll fail. That's absolutely right, and a good leader can be a good manager, and all good managers should still be good leaders. But you've got to have both. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, so let's talk about this book. Uh, the the what's wrong with damn near everything? I think we kind of hit on it a little bit, but uh, for for our listeners who may not, sure. for whatever reason, be inter- uh, uh, indoctrinated into the world of Winget, what is wrong with damn near everything? <laughs> you know, I had written six New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestsellers about okay, if, if you got kids that are a mess and I wrote a book called your kids are your own fault it was a pretty much a how-to book on parenting to raise productive responsible adults and I did the same thing around a a best-selling money book called you broke because you want to be you can tell from the themes of those books and the titles that it's all about personal responsibility so I'd written these six books telling folks if this is your situation go do these things and then after selling a couple of million books I realized not very many people were doing what I suggested they do. They were still in the mess they were in. You know, it's no, there is no shortage of people telling you what you should do to fix your issue. So if that's the case, and it is, that there's lots of information out there about what you could do to do things differently and have better results in your life, why aren't people doing it? And what I came to realize is that you can't get a person You can't get a bad employee to do a good job for very long. You can threaten him with, I'm going to fire you, or you can tease him with the, it's the carrot and the stick thing, or I'll give you a promotion or a raise if you do it. But a bad employee, a bad person is going to be a bad employee because that's the kind of person they are. And the same way in all areas of life, what we've tried to do is say, if you'll just do these things, your results will change. Well, not if you're not gonna do those things, and the people who don't do the right thing, they're not good people. So what I realized, and that's why I wrote What's Wrong With Damn Near Everything, we're trying to give people good things to do, understanding they're not going to do them because they're not good people. They lack 
the core values. So the subtitle of What's Wrong with Damn Near Everything is the collapse of core values and how it's destroying us. So I believe that a person who is honest and has integrity and is kind and is, is willing to do the right thing, even when it's the hard thing or the expensive thing or whatever, that's the right thing, that people who have core values eventually figure out, even without our help, they need some guidance sometime, but they will do the right thing because they're good people and are constantly looking to do the right thing. Bad people, no matter what you tell them to do, aren't going to do it for very long because they're bad people. We need to focus more on the core values that people have. I, I couldn't agree more. There's, uh, I'm not sure if you've read Jordan Peterson's book, uh, Eight Simple Rules for Life. Yeah. Uh, but I think he nails it. Uh, you know, and, and what you just said there, like, are, are you sure you weren't a Marine at some point in your life? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just raised by good mamas. And, you know, it, it, let me tell you what, I think we give credit and I give the military all the credit in the world. And I come from a family where everybody was in the military and my son was in the military and my dad and grandpa and all that sort of stuff. But we want to give credit to, let's say the military and say, you must've been in the military. You remember when mamas and daddies taught this. Mm -hmm. And mamas and daddies are responsible for teaching their kids core values. Yep. And I was very fortunate to have a mom and daddy that it was about being a good person above everything else. You know, it was telling the truth. It was uh, having integrity, which means doing the right thing even when nobody's ever gonna know. It was about uh, when you give your word, you keep your word no matter what. It was about being kind and being grateful and all that. That's, those are the core values that I was raised with. And that's where I think we've slipped away. People don't think anything in the world about showing up late. Mm -hmm. Being late's a lack of respect for, for the person. Being late is a lack of respect in business for your boss and for the money and for the customer and for the coworkers. Uh, being late is insulting to your friends. It shows you matter more than they do, or you matter, what you're doing at the time matters more than the fact that you gave your word. But most people think, ah, oh, hey, I was just a little bit late. <laughs> you know, it's fashionably late. In other words, it's fashionably disrespectful because right. that's what it means. And so there are lots of examples on that where, you know, we've just slipped on those core values. No, again, you know, uh, when I'm, I'm telling my story, people ask, you know, and I start with, well, you know, my mom and dad split when I was just a few months old. Uh, I haven't seen my dad, but a handful of times in my 40 years on this planet. And my mom has struggled with various drug issues throughout her entire life. I get, to, oh, that's terrible. No, that was one of the best things that happened to me because I ended up being raised by my grandfather, who was a World War II veteran, grew up, uh, you know, poor country boy. And he instilled every one of those things that you're talking about in me he taught me how to uh how to be a man what that meant uh and and the responsibilities i mean shoot <laughs> when i was uh, 10 years old i had to push mow push mow uh three acres you you, you make a 10 year old push mow three acres today and see how many law enforcement agencies are knocking on your door right yeah it's uh, like when they called the the child services on the guy who made his kid walk a half mile to school. Really? <laughs> I mean, that's a true story. 
It he is. gets child services because it was raining outside. That was the kid's punishment. It was raining, and he made him walk to school in the rain. Oh, my God. I walked to school every single day, and it was a lot more than a half mile. And it didn't matter what the weather was. I had to get to school. But, you know, we could all play this. This is how I grew up. And this is what about your story, and I'm glad that you put it like that. You know, I've discovered nobody can poor me uh, more than the next guy. You know, I can stand up and say, here's my sad story. And then immediately somebody says, well, let me tell you my sad story. We can sit around and pour me and sad story ourselves into oblivion. Everybody's got a worse story than the next guy does. Bottom line is, shit happens to all of us. Mm -hmm. You know, suck it up, buttercup. You know, you don't get to change what happened to you in the past. The only thing you have any impact on is the way you're going to live your present. I don't even give a damn about the future. Everybody says, just focus on the future. No, focus on right this instant. What can I do right this instant? You know, in the book what, that we're talking about here, what's wrong with damn near everything? I was doing a, an interview on... Um, a Brian Kilmeade show, and he says, Larry, you paint this picture of where we are in society and in business and in government and in school systems and, and in our homes and so forth. How do we change the world with this is how it is? And I said, we don't. And he said, that's not a very optimistic approach. I said, I'm sorry, we can't fix the world. We can't fix society. We can't fix our businesses. The best we can possibly do is fix ourselves right this minute. That's all I can do. I can have some impact on what I say, what I think, and what I do right now. I can't make you any promises 10 minutes from now. I, I can't guarantee what, how anybody else is going to react, what they're going to say, what they're going to do. I got nothing. I can't fix the world. The world doesn't want to be fixed anyway. When the world wants to be fixed, it'll be as a result of enough individuals doing just what I said. You got a whole lot of folks that say, right this minute, I'm going to think act and, and and behave in such a way that it is true to my core values of honesty, integrity, being a good person, treating folks right. You do that. I do that. Enough people do that. And that's when the world starts to change a little bit. But we've made our focus the world and somehow that's an excuse for our own bad behavior. It's our own bad behavior that caused the world to be that way in the first place. Uh, yes. And, you know, the so uh, when we're recording this last week was the 50th anniversary of the moon landing and and, uh, you know, Gene Kranz gets a lot of, of credit, rightfully so. Uh, but everybody wants to focus on Apollo 13, uh, which was a great time for him. But everybody forgets Apollo 1 when we lost uh, White, Chaffee and, and Grissom on the launch pad. And the, the story that I love to tell about that is how he handled that situation. You know, there was an investigation. It was a government level. We lost three high-valued astronauts. But before anybody had a chance to gather any evidence or anything like that, he gathered his team together and he says, look, it was our fault. I don't care what the committee says. It was our fault. We didn't do these things. We didn't do this thing. We didn't do that thing. We will be better. And he took complete 100% ownership and he gave him corrective action, told him what to do going forward, what the expectations were going to be, and he fixed it. You know, they, they went off relatively without a hitch from that point forward. And everybody knew at that point, when you see something screwed up, you better raise your hand and say, we got to stop. You know, he pretty much give everybody uh, kill command powers from that point. If you see something that's going to be dangerous, you better stand up and say, stop. And and it's 
It's the response part. We keep coming back to this theme, right? The response part. Like you said, if everybody worried about themselves instead of complaining about what their boss is doing, what their boss needs to improve to be a better leader, what do you need to do to be a better leader? That's how you fix the world, one person at a time. You're never, like you said, you're never going to get everybody collectively to say, hey, we all need to fix it right now. So I love that. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, you know, uh, full full disclosure to everybody here. I'm kind of a Larry Wingate fanboy from from Jump. Like, uh, yeah, I like your attitude. I like the way you put it. Like the no bullshit, uh, no sugarcoating uh, uh, delivery. Uh, and so I think the world needs a lot more Larry Wingate. So, uh, well, sir, we're coming up on that uh, that magic time frame here. We're hitting about 24 minutes or so. I always like to uh, start working towards a closeout with this okay. this last question here of, is there anything that you and I haven't discussed that you think we should hit on before we close out? You know, the most popular question I get, and I do a lot of podcasts, I do a lot of interviews, I've spoken all over the world, is Larry, bottom line, what's it take to be more successful? And here's what I always tell people. Bottom line, get three sheets of paper, just three sheets of paper and a pen. On the first sheet of paper, write down where you are in every area of your life. I mean, every area, your weight, your relationships, your health, uh, how you're doing on your job, your money, you pick it. Write down a full assessment of your life. Now, on the second sheet of paper, write down how you want it to be in each one of those areas. This is how it is, and then this is how I want it to be. And uh, then on the third sheet of paper, and this is the most important, write down what you're going to give up to get from where you are to where you want to be. And that's where we run into problems. We've got all these motivational bozos out there telling folks they can have it all. Well, folks can't have it all. You're going to have to choose. You're going to have to give something up. I believe I was the very first personal development person in the business that said success is based on sacrifice because we are not a society that is interested in sacrifice or giving up anything. You have to understand, you don't get successful. You give up what's keeping you from being successful. You don't even get skinny. You give up what's making you fat. You don't get rich. You give up what's making you broke. You don't get happy. You give up what's making you unhappy. So all true success comes from giving up, from sacrifice, from doing away with certain things. And then success is what you're left with after you've done that. And so I would encourage people listening to us here to to take those three sheets of paper, figure out where they are, figure out where they want to be, and figure out what they're going to give up to get from where they are to where they want to be. Yeah, no, that that's powerful stuff. And and for anybody listening, you know, make sure you go in. Um, I do transcripts for all my shows, so uh, those three sheets will be in the the transcripts there, and I'll, I'll try to highlight highlight those in the show notes. Um, well, look, Larry, thanks for being with us. I really really appreciate your time. Uh, hopefully, uh, I've exposed some new people to to the cool. world of Winget there. Uh, we had some of your friends on here already, Mr. Joe Calloway, uh, yep. Jim Bouchard, uh, I think you know Dov Barron. Yep. Uh, got some more folks coming up. So I really appreciate your time. Uh, and uh, for the listeners, look, if you have any questions for me, uh, if you have any questions you want me to get to Larry, uh, burden.command at gmail.com. Just hit me up there. That's burden.command at gmail.com. Uh, this show will be coming out in, in a few weeks um, from the time that we've recorded. So some of these things might be a little outdated, but we'll try to reference them there. 
I'll have links to Larry's books, Larry's website, Larry's social media accounts, and I highly, highly encourage that you make uh, Larry Wingate part of your personal development uh, journey in whatever uh, shape or form that's taken right now. So, Larry, again, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Glad to be here. Appreciate you having me. All right, listeners, and we'll talk to you again in the next episode. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid. Electric acid.